My Dear Fiona by Francis Rosenfeld Chapter 3, The Brock of Biersee The car trip to the Bruff of Biersee led me through treeless landscapes, shy and soft in the sunshine, and filled with the bright smiles of wildflowers, a poem in white, rose, purple and green, laid down as scenery by a benevolent god. After some time in Scotland, you get used to the monoliths, which seem to spring from the ground everywhere, strange trees made of stone. You become quiet in their presence, they humble you with their immortal status, and no matter how many people are around, they speak to you alone. I stood beside them, with the wind in my face, trying to remember an older time, as if I'd been there before, but maybe those were your memories, Fiona, not mine. Maybe that's what the stones are for, repositories of memories, remembering the fingers of all who had touched them. I was looking for an excuse to go to the other side of the island, and it was interesting to learn your family tree had spread some of its roots there. The ancient burial customs of this place exercise a strange fascination on me, like a spell cast centuries before I was born. The bones of my ancestors sleep quietly beneath this land, sorted and distilled through the landscape, moved and rearranged in cairns, reduced to their very essence, the skull, by the people of old, whose lives differed greatly from my own, and their relationship with nature and death, even more. I can feel their call in my own bones, like a slow buzz, a magnet of sorts, drawing me to where I'm supposed to be. Our ancestors weren't nice people, were they, Fiona? Or maybe histories are written by the victors. Sinners become saints and wise people wicked, and all there is left of them is a tale told by others, everywhere else but here. Here the bones speak their truth. It is strange for a girl from Wisconsin to wake up every morning in a place with no trees, where the grass looks like a dense tufted carpet, tightly wrapped around white stones which poke through like giant dragon eggs. I arrived in Biersee in the middle of the afternoon, too late for a trip to the Brock. The evening comes early so far north in spring, and I watched with fascination as the stone bridge beneath the water's surface appeared with the tide while the sun set and the moon shone its silver light on the ocean. I couldn't see clearly through the glare of the wet stone and the water but I could swear I spotted lights moving on the island in the distance, and heard a faint laughter in the air, clear and pure like a child's. Memories of other times, perhaps, things that the stones remember. This is how the legends were born. It is this landscape, I don't doubt it. The lady who ran the bed and breakfast I stayed at the night before commented, quite displeased, that the local youths like to play this game where they challenge each other to spend a whole night on the island, cut off from the mainland until the low tide in the morning and use their lights and noises to spook the superstitious and make them cross themselves to ward off the fair folk. One becomes so turned around by the surreal setting filled with cairns and stones, one starts doubting one's own senses. So the laughter was real, then, and the lights. Suddenly, I had this powerful urge to find out who it was, and it was completely illogical. I just felt like it had to be someone who resembled you, or more precisely, the vision of you I have in my mind young Viking princess who lives in my dreams. The stone bridge looked a lot less eerie in the bright light of the morning as I started my long walk across it to the brock. A salty mist coated my hair in frost, and the pungent smell of algae sharpened my senses and made me aware of my footing as I carefully treaded on the slick rocks. Every so often, puffins perched on the bridge, like sentinels, looking at me with strange detachment as I made my way from my realm to theirs. The island belongs to them now that the remains of the old Pictish fortress are barely visible above ground, making it more suitable for birds than for people. And there is where I saw you again, Fiona, 
laughing at the puffins with your fur-trimmed hood pulled over your golden locks to protect them from the salt spray. The innkeeper's story left me wondering whether the girl I've spotted was actually there or just an apparition of the haze, but there was no haze, my dear, just the glow of the sun beaming over a meadow of blooms and flocks of colorful puffins. Maybe it was the girl from last night, exhilarated by having emerged victorious from the challenge. However, in a population that remained rather isolated for centuries, who can say how many Beersy girls would end up resembling you? I snapped many photos from the island to send to my parents, including a clear one of the famous Pictish stone. I bided my time until the evening tide, jotting down notes and taking stock of odd details that didn't photograph well. After that I shared my sandwich with the puffins, ignoring the do not feed the birds warnings, I sent long and elaborate texts to my family, instead of the letter that I had planned to write them, which, for some reason, feels like the most appropriate way to stay connected with family while visiting here. I shared with them every detail of my life in Orkney, from the practical to the curious, gave them updates on my research, assured my parents that my schedule is on track, and I'm keeping warm and safe, and omitted to mention you, fair maiden of the Cairns. I studied the old handwritten documents in the Church of St. Magnus in Kirkwall, but found precious little about your relatives. The local legends about their lives are more prolific than the written records. It's hard to reconcile the factual history with the vivid portrait I have in my mind. The stories seem incomplete, like an essential connector piece is missing, one I came here to find. I'm just going to call it research, because obsession sounds so negative. The information for which I traveled to Beersea didn't pan out. It seems the reward of the journey was watching the glowing path to your mysterious island materialize from the sea in the moonlight. If this research produces nothing useful to the scientific community, I am sure there is a captivating fantasy novel in there somewhere, with a beautiful and nostalgic theme full of youth, love and conjured magic from days gone by. Research, my father said, is the prerogative of enlightened minds. He may be correct, but I'll also take the time to familiarize myself with the area's legends and stories. This is, after all, the land of the Fae. I can't help but wonder how many people in your time caught sight of you, Fiona, with your golden hair twinkling in the moonlight and thought you were a fairy too. A great many people with good intentions cautioned me to stay away from the cairns, from the bones, from the stones, lest I get taken to the otherworldly realm and never return to the real one. I'm not sure which outcome of this warning is worse, coming across your possibly non-human kind and being swept away by their world, or destroying the fantasy of their existence with the unimaginative and matter-of-fact answers science loves to give us. One thing is for sure, Fiona Corrigal was a real girl. The details of your life are woven into the frame of your historical persona-like threads of different substance, some concrete and some imagined, and if you take a look at the image they create from afar, it's impossible to tell which are which.